see more innovation in packaging and processing at Pack Expo International than anywhere else in the world. It's the show that defines where the industry is headed, with the solutions that define where your business can go. Discover cutting-edge packaging technology, processing equipment, new materials, sustainable solutions, supply chain resources, and much, much more. You'll walk away with innovative solutions to challenges big and small. Register at PackExpoInternational.com. You're listening to Unpacked with PMMI, where we share the latest packaging and processing industry insights, research, and innovations to help you advance your business. Hi, and welcome to the very first edition of Unpacked with Packaging World. I'm your host, Sean Riley. For those who listened to Unpacked with Healthcare Packaging, and if you didn't, why haven't you? No, really, it was about cannabis with Karen Sukney, and you should listen immediately after this podcast. Anyway, as noted on the Unpacked with Healthcare Packaging pod, we are expanding our Unpacked with PMMI empire a bit in an effort to provide the industry what it has told us it wants. If we can accentuate some of our world-class PMMI media group written content with a podcast, you bet your bottom dollar we're going to do just that. So buckle up, folks, because today we have a Hall of Famer on the pod. Packaging World Editor Emeritus, Pat Reynolds. Pat has been covering the packaging industry since long before podcasts even existed. Along the way, he has covered trade shows around the globe, including literally dozens and dozens of Pack Expo events. Pat is going to revisit some of the technology and innovation he uncovered at Pack Expo Connects. An old scribe like Pat can weed through the difference between what companies and exhibitors promote as new and what is actually innovative and worth exploring. Consider it an appetizer for our upcoming and in-person Pack Expo Las Vegas and Healthcare Packaging Expo returning in September to the Las Vegas Convention Center. Attendee registration opens in May for the world's most comprehensive packaging and processing show of 2021. And with all the fancy introductions out of the way, welcome to the podcast, Pat. Hey, it's good to be with you, Sean. I've been uh, admiring your Unpacked podcasts from afar, as it were, so it's good to get in on one at last. Yeah, it's our... I think I'm almost positive you're our first uh, Hall of Famer, our first <laughs> packaging Hall of Famer that we've had on here. So this is a big, big day for us. Privileged, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> so you've uh, obviously been at this for a long time, um, covering the packaging industry uh, as a journalist, long enough to have attended a ton of trade shows. And you're, you've done this long enough to know the difference between when companies or manufacturers or... Um, materials, companies, etc., are advertised new, and you've come to learn, obviously, the difference between what they say is new and what is really a new technology or innovation. So let's kind of talk about some of the things that you came across um, at last November's Pack Expo Connects. And I know one thing we discussed offline was was late stage customization and. For our listeners, you know, for packaging, it generally refers to, you know, kind of being able to customize packaging as late as possible in the supply chain. Sort of like the old days where it, it got packaged and that was it. And it got put on a palletizer and sent out the door because there's so many different SKUs and so many places on the Omni channel that it has to go out to, you know, customization is important. So long question short, you know, what technologies you find at Pack Expo Connects that kind of address customization, late stage customization? 
Yeah, I'd have to say two things jumped out at me, and both are driven by digital printing technology, which really only makes sense if you think about it, since uh, digital requires virtually no setup or plates. So why wouldn't that lend itself to customizing packaging at the latest possible stage in the supply chain? And the first of these um, late-stage customization solutions is from Atlantic Zeiser, which is part of the Coesia Group. They call it the Digiline Versa and it uses digital inkjet printheads from Ricoh, plus UV curable inks that are suitable for printing on flat substrates like paperboard, plastic film, or even metal. So if you think about it, what if different languages are required? Or suppose a brand owner wants QR codes on certain cartons, but not on others. Or if certain demographic groups require varied graphics on cartons containing the same products, all you have to do is divert cartons right on the packaging line to the DigiLine Versa system as they leave the cartoner. It's a great way for brand owners to segment and differentiate their packaging to serve market micro niches. The other technology that I saw at Pack Expo Connects came from Buscrow, and it's called the Package Personalization System. Now, once again, it's digital inkjet printheads this time from Kyocera. And this is a sheet-fed system. It's suitable for four-color CMYK printing on paperboard or corrugated. Just think about the reduction in pre-printed cartons brand owners would need to carry in inventory if they can print multiple versions of those cartons with little or no make-ready time. Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. And I kind of touched on it with the question, and you've sort of hit on it, that because things are changing so much and there's so many different places these have to go that they, they need to have um, this digital printing component because it's kind of print ready. You can do it as, as necessary. And you've, it's, this is kind of in your wheelhouse. You've been really um, sort of knee deep in digital printing the last couple of years at packaging world. Um, and this also segues in nicely at pack expo Las Vegas, which we're still planning and all things are looking great for an in-person event in September. We have the package printing pavilion, which touches very heavily on these sort of advancements in digital printing, which would also, you know, tie into late stage customization. So what about, um, things like inspection technology? Um, any, any things like that that were featured at Pack Expo Connects that were, you know, outside of the ordinary or things that stood out to you? You know, one thing, Sean, that really struck me as much as anything else is how many of the exhibitors offer one kind of inspection technology or another. There's a lot of players, but, but two that stood out both leveraged something that I had not heard much about before, and that is called hyperspectral technology. Now, I'm not going to dive into it too deeply, partly because it would take too long, but more importantly, because I don't think I'm able to. But what really matters is that because it collects and processes information from across the electromagnetic spectrum, it's able to identify foreign materials or contamination in the sealing area of rigid packages more effectively than standard vision systems. Now, both Angelico and Key Technology introduced their hyperspectral detection technology at Pack Expo Connects. Angelico's offering, called Hyperscope, is said to be the only imaging technology that can detect contamination through printed film. And Key Technology, which is part of the Duravant family of operating companies, introduced what they call the Verix Bioprint Digital Sorter. It's described as the only sorting machinery that combines near-infrared or NIR hyperspectral detection with color cameras. Because it analyzes a richer set of data about the materials it's sorting, it offers improved detection performance and maximizes process yield. I'd expect to see it used in the food industry for 
Well, things like removing shells or foreign material or various defective products. And all that is is obviously huge because we all know like what one product recall when it comes to food can do to a brand. I mean, it, we can identify brands in the past where things like that have happened. And, you know, even if they've rebounded from it, it's always sort of tied to the brand. So it's become more and more important to make sure things like food in particular are, you know, uh, as inspected as much as possible. I seem to recall from us, you know, talking that you were also mentioning some things about variety packaging, which is also huge, especially, um, you know, in the big box stores uh, or the Costco's, the Best Buy's, things like that, where I guess, as you were saying, a tray or a, a corrugated case Instead of just holding the 24 primary packages, say it's a, you know, Gatorade, for example, you know, all having the same flavor, instead it has, you know, 24 different flavors or a variety of flavors. You know, what machinery was that? And, and could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, sometimes referred to as the rainbow packet. It's been a, a, bit, a bit of a holy grail when it comes to, uh, to machinery builders and buyers, because the idea of Automating such a thing is terribly attractive. Currently, I think a lot of it is done at fulfillment centers where corrugated cases need to be broken down and, and repacked, and it's wasteful and expensive. And uh, so the one thing that I did come across that addresses it rather neatly um, is from Agard. And the machine they showed at Pack Expo Connects is called Mirius because it can deliver a myriad of configurations. Uh, really a, a remarkable innovation, I would have to say. The flavor varieties can range from 1 to 6. Case counts can be from 12 to 96. And on top of all that, it operates at 100 cases a minute. Now, the other cool thing about this machinery is that it takes advantage of the linear servo motor technology that has been quietly, or actually not so quietly, transforming the packaging machinery space over the past five years or so. In this particular application, the modular, scalable, linear servo motor system that allows for independent control of multiple movers is Rockwell Automation's iTrack technology. But it's worth noting that BNR, Beckhoff, Siemens, and now I think I understand that even Schneider Electric has some version of this super versatile track technology. And Agard's Mirius incorporates not one, but two of these iTrack systems. One is used to build the layers of single-serve food cups, which eventually need to make their way into the corrugated cases. And the other iTrack is used to transport wraparound corrugated cases from the station where they're erected to the station where they have cups inserted into them. Now, don't even get me started on the upstream operations on this Myriad system because it involves six gantry robots to pick cups from the large infeed trays they're stacked on and place them into six flavor lanes leading to the downstream case packing operations. It was really something to see. What I was picturing kind of in my head when I was posing the question, you started answering it. I can remember, and it was probably a lifetime ago, um, I was in a, a, a contract packaging facility, I think, and they were literally, like you explained, taking some kind of sports drink out of boxes by flavor and then mixing them by hand. There was people at the end of the line doing this by hand, which is obviously very labor intensive and not something that you would want to do um, on a large scale basis, but they were having to do this at this contract packager. And now it sounds like from what you're saying, they, they've gotten to the place where we can use robots to, to sort of replace that, automate it, and, and make it a much easier and, and faster process. 
Yep, that's about right. Yeah. So we know machines are, you know, it's PMMI and it's packaging machinery and it's a, they're always kind of at the center when it comes to pack expos, whether it's a live show or the, the virtual pack expo connects we had. But we also always have materials and materials are, are, are in the news in terms of different types of materials that can be used, whether it's for sustainability or for efficiency or things moving into different packages. So what did you see uh, from an innovation standpoint in terms of materials at Pack Expo Connects? Well, the short answer would be an awful lot. Um, but I'd have to say that one area really heating up in the most interesting way is monomaterials. Now, the idea here, of course, is to move away from multi-material packaging constructions because they complicate recycling. Picture, for instance, a, a stand-up pouch. It might include nylon for strength, aluminum foil, for oxygen barrier, polyester as a surface layer that can carry reverse printing, and then a variety of polyethylene or linear low-density PE layers for heat seal and or easy peel characteristics. Now, once all these layers are adhesive or extrusion laminated together, they just do not fit readily into existing recycle streams. And separating them is no good option. It's just too costly and too time consuming. Yeah, that, that's interesting. And I and your colleague, uh, Matt Reynolds has has touched on this a bunch, um, and really opened my eyes a bit to a lot of uh, this in terms of recycling that there just isn't options for these um, recycle streams, they just don't exist for for once the, the consumers finished with them and puts them into the the trash, for lack of a better word, to get them into the recycling stream. So I guess now that we're going with these mono materials to try to fix that solution, who are some of the people that are operating in this space? Well, there are quite a few, um, but among the ones that I saw at Pack Expo Connects are uh, Amcor Flexibles, Topan, Klysar, and then a, a joint development involving Saintis, Wipf, and Optima. So why don't we start with Amcor, which used its Pack Expo Connects showroom to introduce what it calls its M Prima portfolio. Now, a number of options are available in this family of films, and all are compatible with the PE recycle stream. A number of technologies, some of them proprietary, are behind this development. Worth noting, though, is that on the materials side, contributions came from such things as compatibilizing technologies, barrier coatings and additives, and blends of high-performance polymers. And these compatibilizing technologies are especially interesting. I think Dow is among the leaders in coming out with these. They, um, they do some remarkable things in terms of letting you mix certain polymers and have them go through a recycle stream much more readily than they otherwise would have. Now, moving on to Topan, uh, their announcement at Pack Expo Connects was in regard to their GL barrier films. Launched in January were full-scale sales of PE-based and biaxially-oriented polypropylene-based monomaterial packaging that join the PET-based options that Topan had already commercialized. The PE and BOPP-based varieties were made possible by taking advantage of the technologies that Topan has developed for over more than 40 years as a leader in the manufacture of transparent vapor-deposited films. Topan anticipates sales of these new films should reach $20 million in 2025, and, the firm says, they'll continue further development in this monomaterial sector. Elsewhere in the uh, polypropylene space, we learned of an interesting joint development by Saintis, Whip, and Optima. They call it their Green Lucian project, and it's aimed at coming up with a fully recyclable coffee capsule featuring a polypropylene-based 
single material. Now, uh, Saintis does the co-extrusion of the seven-layer structure and the subsequent thermoforming. A key component in the structure is a new grade of EVOH from an unnamed supplier. Because this grade of EVOH has improved barrier characteristics, less of it is needed in the cast co-extrusion. Consequently, the sheet going into the thermoforming system is about 98% polypropylene. Now, WIP's contribution to the Green Lucian project is the litting material that gets heat sealed to these coffee capsules. And this litting material is described rather vaguely, at this point anyway, as a recyclable film. And as for Optima, they make the CFL machine on which the capsules are filled and sealed. Oh, and one last observation on this Green Lucians project. The thermoformed capsule material contains an NIR detectable component that makes the polypropylene capsules more readily detectable in the sortation process at the municipal recycling facility, or MRF as they're commonly called. And finally, Kleisar announced it has introduced a monomaterial shrink film that was approved for the store drop-off label that is part of the How to Recycle program launched way back in 2008 by the Sustainable Packaging Coalition. That How to Recycle program is now under the auspices of Green Blue. This Kleisar material is called Evo Recyclable Shrink Film, and it was developed in collaboration with the Sustainable Packaging Coalition, and it has been verified by third-party testing to meet the requirements of the Association of Plastics Recyclers. That's a lot of materials that are hopefully coming down the line that can meet, you know, sustainability is huge. Everybody wants to be as sustainable as possible. Um, and that is a is quite a variety of options that hopefully people can move into to to try to streamline that whole recycling component. Now, this this was awesome. We really touched on a good variety of, of kind of high level things. I know you always put together a, a pretty thorough, I guess, innovations report after the shows. And, and you did that for this. Is you want to put in a cheap plug for that? Oh, sure. Why not? <laughs> cheap plugs are always good. Uh, that would be the, the January issue, of course. And you're right, we do that um, each year. The whole crew of, of PMG editors um, scour the, the aisles. This time, of course, we scour the aisles virtually, and uh, everybody contributed a, a great deal of information in four or five key categories, uh, machines, materials, controls, etc. But yeah, that's in the January issue. So please, um, anyone listening who wants more detail, please go there. Yeah, and that's, and that's a great way even if you've attended the show in person in the past or for this one virtually, it gives you a refresher and as well as it's almost impossible to, it is impossible to cover everything as an attendee or if you're an exhibitor just to see what your your competition is doing. Um, that's a, Those reports are always a great way to, to show everybody things they might have missed or kind of refresh them on some things that they passed up on. So so that is a good thing to remind people of. Yeah, true enough. And boy, speaking of shows, I am really looking forward to Pack Expo Las Vegas. I don't know about you, but uh, yes, seeing folks at, at an exhibition is something I, I do look forward to. Yeah, things are, are, are looking good. Things are, you know, Vegas has started. I think the, there's a show in June, a pretty big show that they're having that they have the OK for. So it looks like we're on a path where we will have a safe, as safe and productively as possible um, in-person event. So uh, yes, I'm looking forward to it as well. And and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, you and everybody else again in person. So I would just like to thank you for taking some time to come on here and uh, talk with us. Thanks, Sean. It was a pleasure. Please rate, review, and subscribe. To do that, go to the iTunes podcast or Spotify app on your phone and search for Unpacked with PMMI.